what is spirituality? It's everything. I said, what does that mean? You want to learn about gratitude. You go there, you'll realize all the things you usually complain about is irrelevant. What I've been most fascinated with actually is why religion fights religion. Is religion important? Welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast in partnership with Vault Hill, Arabian Business and Najahi Events. Some people are spiritual, some people are practical. Never do the two come together. Master Sri Akashna is on the show today to teach us how we can take our spiritual side, our kind of practical and commercial side, and bring those two together so that we can live a better, more fulfilling life and still go out there and make it happen in the world of business. Let's cue the music because this one is beautiful. Vault Hill is the world's first human-centric metaverse that's opened its doors for brands and entities to launch their presence in the metaverse in only 48 hours. This is the fastest activation ever and the first time ever any metaverse has offered this. Upon this activation process, brands will receive free virtual land in Vault Hill City and can give life to their metaverse presence by buying buildings in the Vault Hill marketplace and deploy it on their dedicated VLAND. Then brands can customize their land using unbounded creativity, they can display their own NFTs or upload different media, logos or digital creations to start to capitalize from their digital assets. Go check out vaulthill.io. And lastly, thank you to Najahi Events, who have been sponsoring us now on the podcast for over a year. Najahi bring motivational speakers to the region to help inspire, educate and motivate you to achieve better success and live a better life. Akashana, what does that mean? Attraction. Okay. Uh, it was a name given to me by my spiritual master, uh, Grandmaster Aksha. It's a very nice thing to say, isn't it, to be called that? Yes, and I think uh, everything holds power, everything holds energy. That's a very powerful thing itself. Uh, and uh, Sri is uh, representing wealth and abundance. Uh, and so there's a lot, of, a lot of things have been manifesting since that name name change actually it sounds like it could either be a burden or joy it's kind of like a big responsibility with those two very powerful words there when you consider it it's a it's a big responsibility it is um but there was a lot of physical and mental training that needed to be done in the mountains before i was able to receive that because if one does not have the capacity, the vessel is not strong enough, the mind is not strong enough, then there's a lot, a lot you need to deal with, you know? Mm. So tell me what I would need to know about you that has had the most impact on who you are today. I think it's the importance of, number one, the importance of wealth, because we're living in this human material world whether we like it or not. But at the same time, the importance of, we can call spirituality or we can call consciousness or we can call just love and kindness and compassion. I think that in this world, we have a very clean divide, kind of. You have the 
people who are chasing nonstop money, 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 and thinking that happiness is on, uh, is on the other side of it. Then you have the other side, which is all the spiritual woo-woo people who are all like, oh, tree huggers, everything. And, but in reality, you know, you speak to nine out of 10 of the spiritual people, they are not really living in abundance. They, they are struggling. They're struggling to even look after their children or, you know, because it's very interesting when there's that saying where they say, we are not uh, human beings having a spiritual experience, but we are actually spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. And I think that, number one, the material people do not realize that, hey, we are spiritual beings. There's something more than just material. But then the spiritual side of people, the spiritual people, I think they also forget that we are in the material world temporarily. So you do need a roof over your head. You do need food. And to get all of that, you need money. And throughout my journey, it just coincidentally went the route of going for money and then realizing money wasn't everything, awakening to thinking it's all about love and giving only, and then realizing I had not nothing left to give because I ran out of money (laughs) and then realizing, Hey, it's the balance of both. So my, I, I, I can see connecting the dots backwards that that is my purpose in this lifetime. It's a God universe has given me that path to, so that I can share and bring bridge the gap between these two types of people. And I believe when you bridge that gap, which is what I've, I've been doing in my life, life is beautiful. There's no stress. You can do what you want. You can enjoy life. You have the freedom and, uh, and you have that wealth and that capacity as well to be able to do more good in this world. The way I think about it is it's almost like I see like the vegans and the meat eaters. There's, they clearly have different opinions. So we'll say the meat eaters are the materialistic guys, the ones that are chasing the money and the, the vegans are the spiritual ones. And there's, it's almost, or it appears ugly for a spiritual person to think about the importance of money. It's almost, it's almost frowned upon almost in the way that it's perceived. And, and, and what you're doing is different to that, which is why I'm really interested in it. This is a, it's a, it, it's from what you said at the beginning, it's a tough, it's a tough message to share. So the moment I decided that I will share this message, I knew what I'm, I'm, I'm getting into. You see, it's very easy. It's much easier for me to be silent about it and just live a happy life. Mm-hmm. Much easier, right? Because then uh, nobody can go and judge you and whatever. Yeah, I'm just living my life. You know, I'm just happily living my life and living in abundance at the same time, you know? But because I see suffering is happening, I mean, even in a place like here, like Dubai, where you have the extreme, extreme rich, and then you have everybody else who's just thinking that I need to get on that other side. <clears throat> and hopefully if I get to the other side, then I will be happy. But they haven't got happiness now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's suffering there because they're 
constantly chasing and they, and they will continue to chase because growth is a natural human need. So we'll continue to want more and want more. But then I see suffering on the other side too. You see, because I've met so many spiritual people, they're beautiful people. They want to make a difference in this world. You ask them, what's your purpose? I want to heal the world. I say, how are you going to do it? I say, I'm going to send healing energies. I'm saying, but th those kids out there right now, they just need food and that requires money. So I see they, they want so much good in this world, but they haven't got the capacity to do it. So I see like both sides suffering. And I said, okay, somebody's got to do that. The dirty work. I call it dirty work is because for somebody to connect with both of these crowds to bridge that gap, I have to show that I have material to be able to connect to the material world. Otherwise they wouldn't care. If every single day I show up and I'm just namaste, namaste and wearing a robe, only spiritual people will ever connect with me. How am I going to awaken the other people? Mm -hmm. But the same way, if I just go material and I don't talk about spirituality, then at the same time, I, can, I cannot help that side. And that's where uh, maybe about four or five years ago, um, when I, start, I just only started YouTube, um, the YouTube channel in, in 2018. And I said, if I'm going to go for this and I'm going to really go for this message, I'm going to, I'm going to make people, I'm going to make that impact. It's going to create some controversy, but it's going to get their attention. And so that's when Yogi with the Lamborghini came in mm -hmm. and I said, I'm going to buy a Lamborghini. I'm going to put it in the background so that the, the material people, they click. And in front of the Lamborghini, I'm going to talk about love and I'm going to talk about kindness. I'm going to talk about self-love. And then they're going to, their mind is going to be like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. How does he have a Lamborghini if he's spiritual, you know, or, and then the other side will yeah. be like, why is he talking about that? So. And, and it worked because we, we got about a million subscribers within the first year and, and everything went viral. So, but there is a backlash because obviously you can imagine in the comments, right? The spiritual people are saying, you're not spiritual, right? And the material people are saying, you crazy, you know, what's wrong with you, right? But, and, and that was a very interesting time because I went through that time and I, did, I, I think I thought I was ready for it, but actually I wasn't ready for it. That's the reality because maybe come 2019, there's so much that was, obviously there was like thousands of people saying, thank you so much, you've changed my life. But you know what it is being an influencer. When one comment comes in and they say, this is wrong or you're a scam or this is, you know, and this message isn't true and uh, you're, you're not spiritual. And you get affected by that, you know, as a human being, you, 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 have, you have this emotional, uh, this feeling, this attachment. And so I couldn't handle it. That's the reality. And when I couldn't handle it, there was times where I felt like, you know, maybe, maybe I've done what I need to do. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore, you know? And then, uh, very interesting at the same time as I said, I said, I didn't want to do it anymore. I was reached out by this Himalayan yogi, um, that asked me to go to the mountains for this spiritual awakening journey. And I was like, what is that practicing yoga? I don't, I don't, I don't want to practice yoga, you know? But I just said yes, and I went out there, and then I did not know that through that spiritual journey and that third eye activation and all this meditation and physical practice, I didn't know that was training my vessel to become so strong and to understand my purpose, to be able to foresee future and say, okay, I know my purpose, connect all the dots. And the vision and the mission is bigger than me. Before it was for me. 
right? I grow a YouTube channel. Hey, yeah, I want to I want to get uh, get this message out there so I can grow my following. But I got affected by all the comments. Mm-hmm. Now, now when I came out of the mountains, the whole thing changed because it was like this is not about me, and if it's not about me, then actually it doesn't matter what you say. I know my intention, and I know I know why I'm on this planet, and I know my purpose, and it doesn't matter what you say. I'm going to do it because I know my intention. And so then I uh, pushed even harder uh, the, the, this, this message out. And now we build actually a very solid community who attend our academy and our trainings every single day. We've got about 30,000 people inside that community now. So it's a, it's a very big thing. But we teach people the, the balance of, hey, learn how to make money. Learn that you need to take action. It's not just some woo-woo visualization stuff. And learn the steps you need to take to actually build a, a, a business or have that entrepreneur or, or money mindset. But at the same time, don't attach yourself to it. Don't think that that is what defines you, you know? Instead, you know, it's, it's here. Say, it's interesting you say this because as, you, as you're talking to me, I'm thinking about my journey. And, I, and I'm trying to see where, where I fit on that, on that path. And I, I, I clearly, for many years, was the the, the money motivated, career motivated guy, and I always wanted more, wanted to achieve more, wanted to be more, and all that kind of stuff. And I could never, I would never ever achieve the person who had achieved the most in material terms, because there was always going to be somebody with more, no matter what you do. Go and spend a weekend in Monaco. You're a poor person, you know. Right. <laughs> There's plenty of rich people just here on our street, so. It wasn't until I understood what the word gratitude really meant that anything changed for me at all, because I couldn't put those spiritual and and commercial sides together. And it it was it was realizing and being really conscious about how lucky I was and how grateful I was that helped me understand how spirituality was there to play a part in my life. But before then. It, it didn't exist. And so this link is gratitude. How big a part does it play? I think it's everything. Because, I mean, we always say have an attitude of gratitude. When you have that, then obviously your your positivity attracts more positivity. And also you are detached from outcome. Whenever we talk about law of attraction or manifestation, we say it's very important to detach from the outcome because we all know what happens when we hold on and we fight for something. And it seems like the more we fight, the more it kind of goes away, right? It's, it's, it's tough. And so it's everything. But there's actually one um, spiritual practice that we do. It's, uh, it's called Siddhor Ham Kriya. And it actually consists of five steps, five actions and, and five intentions that we do early in the morning. And what you're saying there, I just thought of this because the first step we do is we, 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 we stand there and uh, we connect. So we allow ourselves just to connect within, hear ourselves out without, you know, get rid of all the noise and all the clutter that, you know, media and everything is, you know, just connect. What am I feeling? Connect with whatever you believe in, God, universe, whatever, you know, connect. Just connect with nature. Feel is a feel good. Just like you were mentioning before about water. Water sometimes makes people peaceful, you know, connect. So we say, first step is connect. Uh, se- second, second step, we say, okay, we can go in now into, um, into prayer. And when we say we're going to prayer, what is prayer? We say, 
don't pray for yourself. We say, pray for the universe. And when, what, what, does, what does that mean, pray for the universe? Because it's very abstract, right? We say, if you could send your prayers out to the universe, all the bad happenings that's happening around the world right now, what would you pray for? And then you'll think, okay, well, all the people who are suffering, I, I pray for them to become healthy and, and happy. Uh, all the people who are weak, I pray for them to have strength. If all the all the all the people who are um, uh, upset for to be for to be happy, all them who have hate and anger to have love and kindness and compassion. And the interesting thing is, when we when we pray that way, what happens is we become what we are praying. Right? It, I mean, you cannot say, "I'm going to send love out." by feeling hate. Mm -hmm. I can only say, I'm gonna send love out to everybody who is in, in suffering right now by feeling love, that's how I send it out. But it's very interesting because when you send it out, you become what you send out and when you become, you attract. So the second thing we do is we do prayer. We say, don't pray for self, pray for something beyond self. And then after that, this is this is the part where, where it's interesting because what my master taught was, he said, okay, now put your hands out and the next part is we say receive. The third stage is receive. And when we receive, how do we receive? He said, your your affirmation, or we can call mantra, is saying, universe or God, I'm open to receiving. Yet at the same time, if I don't receive anything at all, I'm grateful for everything that I have. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a very powerful thing. Why? Because think about it like this, we just set an intention unconsciously because we were just saying prayer, but that's an intention because we become it. So we've set that intention, we put it out to the universe, but then afterwards, what are we saying? We're saying, actually, universe, I'm open to receiving, which is very important because some people aren't open to receive. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if I don't receive anything at all, I'm just forever grateful just to be able to be alive right now, be able to do this practice right now. And so we go into receiving, and then afterwards we go into gratitude, uh, and we say everything we're grateful for. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We remind ourselves, and then we conclude. We bow down. We we conclude. So we do this practice every day. What does it do? It humbles you. Every morning you, you remind yourself, "Hey, there's something bigger," and you remind yourself, "Hey, let's work in service for others." That is what entrepreneurship is, right? When we can serve others well, that's the key. That, that's the core of entrepreneurship. And so we're practicing all of this, and it's ingraining inside our system, you know. And that attitude of gratitude starts early in the morning, and it changes everything that we do in the day. When I was asked if I would interview you by my team, I was going to come at this from a completely different angle. And my audience, who knows me, that see me on stage and whatnot, will know that I'm anti-woo-woo. Okay. All right. And because I, I believe in action mm. and, and I believe in nothing else because everything else is irrelevant. Action is the only thing that will lead to a result. We mm. can, you know, you can manifest or wish the world a million things, but unless you take some action, you get nothing. Mm. And so if you want to make a hundred dollars and you need to find out what the path is to make a hundred dollars and do those things every day so that a hundred dollars can be made, whatever the amount is and whatever the job is, the, 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 the career, whatever. And so I'm a little bit thrown. Mm. Because what you've done is you stopped my argument before I had one. <laughs> because my argument was, I'm not into the spiritual woo-woo type of stuff. I'm into the action type of stuff. But what you're saying is that 
because they couldn't live, they couldn't coexist in my head before, but they actually can coexist. And it's your way of understanding it and describing it is a way that I had not even, I'd not even contemplated because I was one of the people over here that was going, yeah, you can keep your spiritual stuff because it's all about the action. I asked my spiritual master one time, I said, what is spirituality? He told me it's everything, everything. I said, what does that mean? He said, spirituality is a science. I said, so what does that mean? What's God? God is science. I said, what does that mean? He said, it's energy. He said, do you believe in energy? I said, I believe in energy. Of course, it's science. He said, okay. So that's spirituality. Every energy, all energy. You have energy. There's energy beyond you. And all energy is connected. There is attraction. There is detraction. That's energy. So that is spirituality. And so when people ask me today, they say, okay. They say, prove to me manifestation is real. I say, well, how did you manifest your breakfast this morning? And they, they're like, what do you mean? I didn't manifest my breakfast. I said, okay, let's talk about people who talk about law of attraction and manifestation. I said, did you, number one, think about having breakfast before you had to, you got the breakfast? Said, yes. So, okay, so thought is the first thing, right? Thought about it. I said, okay, cool. Number two, we say about vibrations, emotions, okay? Did you feel emotionally, uh, emotional desire to having breakfast? This is Yes, otherwise I wouldn't have had it. I said, okay, cool. So you thought, then you kicked off emotions. Uh, I said, that's what you did, right? I said, okay, cool. I said, afterwards, did you uh, believe, right? We saw the belief is very important. Did you believe you will be able to achieve breakfast this morning? <laughs> Say, well, yes, obviously. I just go into the kitchen. Okay, you believed it. Great. If you didn't believe it, you wouldn't have achieved it, right? So, okay, you believe. That's cool. Belief is very important. Mindset and all the rest of it, okay? I said, okay, did you take... Uh, we say action, law of attraction. Did you take some form of action, right, to go and get the breakfast, order the breakfast, or make the breakfast? Yes, you did. Okay. When you took the action, after taking the action, did you trust that everything will pan out okay? Meaning the milk would have gone in the bowl safely, everything would. Did you trust? Did you trust the process? Yeah, I ordered that. <laughs> breakfast every day. Of course, it's going to come. Great. You trust it, right? And I say, finally, when the breakfast finally arrived, were you open to receiving it? Or were you like, no, I'm not worthy of this. No, God, universe, I'm not, I'm not good enough for this. Or were you like, hey, I deserve this. Hey, I should take it now, right? You did it. You received it. I said, that is law of attraction principles. That is manifestation principles. And I say, if you can apply that in business and wealth and in love and everything, it's the same thing. It's the same five steps. Yes. That's <laughs> all I've got to say to that. What do you think, when you think about the chicken and the egg, do you think more people reach a point where they realize that the money isn't enough and there's something more to life afterwards? Or do you think there's more people that are spiritual and broke financially what, what do you think comes first because i find that i meet not a lot so i meet people from time to time that have realized that what well, what was this money for in the first place i, I hold it a minute i i did you know you can only have so many cars so many watches and so many houses there's only so much you can do with money before it just becomes you know actually a pain but then they're like there's got to be something more to life than just this and that's when they lean into 
know, taking time to learn and, and, and educate themselves on spirituality and what they can do to be better human beings and maybe find a way to, to give back rather than throwing some cash at a charity, but like actually take some action to give back. Do you, do you find that people gravitate from that side to spirituality more or do you find that it's the spiritual people that you teach and they're like, yeah, I just realized I am broke. <laughs> That's a good point. I better go and find a way to make some money. <laughs> I, d I don't think there's anything that's more. I think there's a there's just this divide right now. Um, uh, commercially, people are into material. So if we say material and chasing and hustler and all that type of mindset, that that is that is probably uh, more commercial, more more because me media, that's what media is, right? That's what ad advertisement is, right? It all gears you for buying and being broke and all the rest of it. That's the system. So. I guess in that sense that uh, then it's more on that side because the people who are more conscious are probably uh, at a smaller number. Up until probably four, four, maybe three, four, maybe five years ago, I would have thought that everything related to spirituality was nonsense. Mm -hmm. Genuinely, I'd be like, it's, not, it's a load of old rubbish. You just got to stay focused on taking the actions to get the job done, yeah? Mm -hmm. And I had a few hiccups in my life, some curveballs in my life. And bear in mind, I come from a very religious family. Mm. So my, my grandparents were preachers, and so the Seventh-day Adventists, and so my whole side of the family, are, 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 they're all um, um, missionaries. So there's, there's a deep connection with their God on one side of the family. Not me, but with everybody else. So I found it, I found I, I had to experience something that led me there experience despair experience loneliness emptiness um and now i'm 52 years old i was asking what i'm on this planet for surely i'm on this planet for something more than just making money surely there's got to be something more to my life than this and and i found that because i was asking the question and i suppose it comes back down to the whole manifestation you know if you're going to ask the question and you're going to open yourself to it then maybe the door will open and and you'll find something when i when i look at that I'm I'm extremely grateful that that happened to me, but I also know lots of people where that doesn't happen at all. How how do we how do we get through to those types of people? We always say when the teacher is ready, the the when when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Right when the, when when the disciple is ready, the master appears. So it's it's the if 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 they are close to that, they are close to that. We will just put out our message in a way where you know everyone will have their way of communicating it, but it doesn't actually matter because it's it's. Not everybody is going to be awakened. Not everybody is going to be rich. Not everybody is going, to, you know. So, I think it's it's totally fine. I see it's totally fine. But I think that one thing that you mentioned before, because it's interesting when when we mention the word spirituality, people do think religion. And I think that people in religion say that is the, their spirituality, mm -hmm. but religion is just. I mean. I tell you, I just like you. When uh, growing up in the UK, I, w I went to a Catholic school, so you say the Lord's Prayer and go to church and all the rest of it, right? My family was Buddhist, so I would do Buddha chants at home while going to a Catholic school and saying the Lord's Prayer and saying Amen. I go on this uh, uh, journey into Hinduism in the mountains in India. It's all Hinduism, and I start, and then now we're living in Dubai. Right, so yeah, now we got the Quran. So when I'm, when I've, when I've, I've been very fascinated with religion. I've always been fascinated with religion. You know, 
what are they doing? But what I've been most fascinated with actually is why religion fights religion. That, that doesn't make sense, right? I mean, your God tells you that you should be fighting and hating other people. It, what, does that, what does that mean? And I think there's too many misinterpretations that have happened from that. Is religion important? I believe it is because it, it has some rules and it sets some things. And, but I find that there's a parallel in all religion. They also have a similar message, hmm? but telling it a different story. And what my thing was when I went up into the mountains and I, and I, and I said to my master, I said, okay, so what is this God then? <laughs> and what is that God then? And, he, and I loved his answer because what he said to me, he said, he said, actually, this God or that God or which deity or this idol, actually, it doesn't matter for you. He said, what matters for you is how are you feeling? And what does this symbolism feel to you? Is it a good feeling or is it a bad feeling? If it's a good feeling, then that's good. Just enjoy it. Just get, the, get what you can get out of it. If you feel love, great. Uh, because he said, Everything is symbolism and everything is just a representation. And he said, at the end of the day, in this world, we have two things, positive energy and negative energy. Which one are you going to move towards? Whatever gives you that. He said, it doesn't matter. You pick up a stone and rock, you say, that's your good luck charm. Carry it every single day. Make you feel good. That's great. You say, it's going to be a tree. Let it be a tree. It's going to be a shape. Let it be that. He said, whatever it is for you, let it be you. And he, what he said to me was, he said, whatever my belief in what God, this God, what religion, he said, I will never put on you because it shouldn't put on you. Mm -hmm. And you also should not put on others. He said, just keep it nice and simple. What is positivity for people? Give that to the people. And he said, that will help the people. It reminds me of the movie Cool Runnings with the, the lucky egg that the guy had. And they were like, what you got the egg for? And he's like, it's my lucky egg, okay? It's my lucky egg. <laughs> yeah, you know what? He's right. He's, he's, he, what you did is you took me into parts of my life then where I've sat down with someone that might have had um, crystals. And I'm like, what are you doing? And they hold it, no, 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 this, this, is, this, this gives me peace and this is, this is one for, for optimism or whatever they may be. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're, you know, you, you've been sold something by somebody. That's what's happened. Um, but let that be. That's right. If that's for somebody and it makes them feel better, then who is anybody else to judge that? That's right. Tell, talk to me about your transformation from your life before the, all of this happened to you, you know, when, when did this start for you? What was, what was it like when you were at college or university, wherever you went, when you studied, you said you're in Leeds and, and what were your ambitions in life as a young person? My, <laughs> my dad was, uh, a leader of a gang, uh, back in Liverpool. A gang? I thought, wow. He was. As in a crime gang? He was my hero. But I didn't know anything else growing up, you know. And Liverpool's a relatively rough place in the rough areas, and mm -hmm. you know. And um, growing up, I didn't know anything else. I didn't know any other world. I just knew that loads of people follow my my dad every single day, and it's that very impressive, and everybody respects him. So I was like, wow, everybody knows dad, you know. I want to be like him when I grow up. So when I was 15, 16, uh, I wanted to join gangs. That was, that was my goal. I said, dad, I want to be like you. I want to join. Which one can I join? You know, who can I join? You know? Um, and he was excited to bring me on board actually, but 
uh, one day he actually did. He introduced me to some gang leader and said, okay, you can join. And then I went home. Mum was, mum went crazy. You've gone through this, you've been through this, and now you want to put your son through, the, you know, all that and crying and crazy. And then somehow we need to go back to that person, pay some money and say, sorry, he's out now, you know? And I was really upset that day because I was like, man, I finally joined this gang and now I'm out, you know? But it's very interesting because obviously with a gangs and leader and everything like that, there's a lot of fighting and, and anger and ego that is involved. And so that was me growing up. I, I would fight for only I was ever right. Nobody else gets to be right. And if you are right, I'm going to shout louder than you. And if you shout louder than me, I'm going to beat you up. Like literally in my teenagers, I would be in fights all the time. I would street fights nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And because my dad was a fighter, he taught me street fighting. So I imagine I'm learning all these concepts, right? Uh, and it's interesting we say this now because they say every master was once a disaster, right? Is <laughs> uh, an interesting backstory because that was my fighting spirit. And um, the the more my dad taught me how to street fight, he always said to us, he said, us Chinese people, we have a smaller frame. The Westerners are much bigger. If you do one-to-one -one fighting with people, fair fight, he said, they're going to kill you. So he taught me all these moves to knock people out without them being aware and all the rest of it. And so I used to do that. And when I did that, it fed my ego. And when it fed my ego, I became stronger and stronger. My ego became stronger and stronger. So I got into more fights and more fights and started basically bullying people. Then because of all of that, obviously I was not very academic. So when I was 15, 16 already, I already said to, uh, I said to dad, mom and dad, I said, I'm moving out. They said, no, you're not. You're 15, you're 16. I just left in the middle of the night. I got a car. I wasn't supposed to be driving. I drove and I moved to Leeds by myself. I started renting a place and then go to, I went to college. I say that I went to Leeds of, uh, College of Art and Design, but I only went for a few months and it was just to meet some friends. You know, I didn't went, go to study, um, but I had to make money. So I learned the hard way because I was like, hey, who pays for these bills, right? And oh, I need to rent someplace. How am I going to do that? So I started working in burger vans in Funfair. So I did like Leeds Festival, Reading Festival and all that. I was like flipping burgers and um, making money. And I, I knew the importance of money. So I made money. And as soon as I can remember, I was thinking I need to open my own restaurant because I don't want to work for people. It's interesting because this is a leadership trait. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I say, actually, if I look at my life today, there, there are parallels. If you look at a leader, I mean, you can look at a lot of lead leaders in gangs. They have entrepreneurial traits. Mm -hmm. They have leadership traits. They, they understand how to communicate with people. Motivate they, say, they, say that, they say that um, uh, drug dealers are some of the best entrepreneurs on the planet. Exactly. So, yeah. Right? But then the only difference is the intent and what you're actually doing, right? What good karma, bad karma, what you're doing, right? What, what you're putting out. So imagine I, I'm building those skills unconsciously just because of ego. I'm fighting and I want to be the best. And my dad always tell, tells me that I have to lead and, you know, you can't follow people and all the rest of it, right? So I say, I, I shouldn't be working for you. So when I was 19, I... Um, went to some banks and 
I tried to borrow money for opening my first restaurant business. And obviously they're looking at a 19 year old, what, 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 what are you saying, you know? And then I said, so why doesn't it work? What's capital you have? I said, I don't know what capital is. What do you mean what capital? And he says, okay, so you need this amount to loan this amount. Okay, what's your experience? What collateral do you have? I said, collateral, what does that mean, right? So learning all this, and then I realized something just went in my mind at that time. And I was like, hey, you're saying that if I can get 30 to 50%, I can loan another 50%. They said, yes. So how much is the restaurant you want to open? So I quoted this place, which was about 500K at the time. It's a, a buffet restaurant. My dad opened one before. That's why I was... And it's interesting how we're ingrained by this. I didn't think to go smaller because my dad opens a yeah. 5,000 square foot restaurant. I'm supposed to open one, you know? So I just went straight in for the kill and I said, I want to open this one. They said, okay, quoted 500K. I'm like, okay, cool, 500K. So I quoted the bank and the bank says, okay, so you need at least what, 200K, whatever, to, to be able to get this. And I was like, ah, okay, let me get back to you. <laughs> so imagine I go back. I'm like thinking, how am I going to get 200K? How am I going to open this place? There was never a time where it crossed my mind to say, open a small store first, open a burger van first. Never, because I was conditioned yeah. that you're supposed to do that first. So I was like, hmm. Um, so I started focusing on it. And then one day, this envelope came through the post, and it was for credit cards. I never had a credit card before. So I said, ah, interesting, credit card. Never got a credit card before. I wonder if we can do anything on this. I filled in the form, and I sent off the application. For some odd reason, it came back, and it gave me 2,000 credit. I was like, that's interesting. I said, but there's loads of banks. So I started getting loads of banks and applying for credit cards. One of one of them gave me 5K. One of them, Barclays Bank, gave me 15K. I don't know why. It just gave me 15K. I must have some good credit or whatever. This was before the crash, right? So I got I got all of that and I gathered up around 30K in these personal loans and, and, and credit card debt. And then I said, hey, if I go to the bank now and I just tell them, hey, I'm going to open some cafe, whatever, something like that. I wonder if I could borrow 90K. Could I borrow 60K? And you'll never believe it, but it happened. And imagine I got one bank. I was NatWest, Barclays, HSBC, uh, a few a few of them, uh, Lloyds. And then I got these loans, one leveraging off the other, leveraging off the other, leveraging off the other. And I got to around four, no, just under 400K, about 390K or something like that. And that was not, I mean, you can say, whoa, that's very smart. Actually, it was very naive. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't think that I'm getting into debt. I didn't think that I've got repayments. I didn't think about any of that. I was just like, I need to open this thing. And I'm born a winner, you know? <laughs> so I'm just like, okay, just go for it. So imagine I'm like short now. And then when I'm short, I, I find out, hey, there's something called an EFG loan. There's something called an asset finance loan. There's some, I learned about all these loans and I grab everything to, to, to make it up. So I, eventually I got 460K and I opened this first restaurant. When I opened this first restaurant, I expected just like dad's restaurant, people would just come in, but it didn't happen like that. So it was quiet and there was a few people every day coming in and I had this empty restaurant every day. Within about the fifth week or something, I got a call, his name was Ian from NatWest Bank. Hi, Mr. Ho, I said, yes. He said, um, you, I just need to speak to you because your bank is uh, overdrawn. I said, it can't be overdrawn. There's 15K in there still last week. He said, yeah, it's gone out for the repayments. I said, what repayments? I never calculated anything. I, did, I didn't know. I didn't know how many loans, how many repayments. I was just like, wow, quickly, open restaurant, I'm going to make money. And then 
I sat down with a friend who said, hey, let's let's look at this a second, right? What's happening? Repayments. He says, how many loans? He said, we calculated all the loans. And I think every monthly repayment was about 25, 35K or something like that per month. A lot of money. And I was like, oh, how am I going to pay back 25, 35K every single month for the next how many years? And he was calculating. I was like, what? How am I going to do that? And it's very interesting because we always teach now. We say, hey, when, when uh, emotions leads emotion, leads to action. And before, I was probably a relatively lazy kid, I would say. A person who wants more but didn't know hard work. But this got me to, I've got no choice now. And let me tell you something. I wasn't fearing losing the money because I'll tell you what my dad taught me. My dad taught me, you know, in UK, bankruptcy is very easy. They take care of it and you don't lose anything. Your uncle went bankrupt so many times and he keeps taking more money. And I'm just like, so I wasn't scared of bankruptcy. Imagine that, yeah. right? But the thing I was scared about was my dad because he always told me that you've got no education, you're going to fail. He was like that hard management type of, and, and I never want, I always wanted to prove him wrong. I always said, no, I'm proved to him. I was fearful of that day, dad would, I would have to move home and dad would say, you see, told you. Yeah, told you so. So guess what? I started printing out leaflets, going leafleting out in the streets. I was an introvert going out on the streets, pitching to people, come for a sweet and sour chicken. We got the special, you know, I was every single day I was out there pulling people in 10% discount, 20%. I learned sales without a sales course because uh -huh. I learned why people were saying no, why people were ignoring me, how to get people's attention. So I was learning marketing and sales on the streets and not knocking on doors. Sales or die, wasn't it? That's right. And then um, I think it was month seven or eight or something like that. We got awarded. This was in Hull. The, in Hull? A horrible place. Uh. Yeah. So in Hull, um, at, at that year, we got restaurant of the year and we were the busiest restaurant in Hull. So every sing single day was rammed really, really rammed. And uh, I think back then I was um, maybe around, moving on 20. And uh, that restaurant alone was probably doing about 20, 20K, 20, 30K a, a week. Um, and this cash business, very strong. So I went on there from going from one restaurant to two restaurants, three restaurants, four restaurants, five restaurants. And after five restaurants, about 20, 24, 25, I started a noodle franchise. It's called Yo-Yo Noodle. And then we recruited 52 franchisees around the world. And, uh, and that, 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 the whole, that whole phase, I was thinking if I have more, I'll be happy, you know, and it had to get to 52 recruits that I realized what else I was driving an Aston Martin. I had a yacht, I had a house on the water and I was like, where's the happiness part of this, you know? And that's where the big question that you said before came in. Why are we here? Mm -hmm. What is the point of life? And I believe every I believe every human being asks it at least once in their in their lifetime. Why am I here? Do we just come here just to live and die? Why do we make money? You make money to spend money, and then that's it. You know, ask that big question. But the problem was, I didn't have the mentor or the coaches to guide me through what is the answer to that question. And my answer to that question was, there is no point. So when it goes to no point, every single day I'm telling myself, there's no point in life. And back then I was 25. I used to get into my Aston Martin every single morning. And I used to look up and say to whoever is up there, just before I, I drive, I say, whoever is up there, please take me away. I didn't have the guts to do it myself. So, so take him, I said, take me away, take me away. Every single day I say, take me away. Uh, good job I wasn't so good at manifesting that time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still here now, right? But 
there was one uh, day in one of our restaurants in Lincoln. We had one in Lincolnshire, Lincoln. And, all, the, all the best places in All the best places, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was Valentine's Day, and we had invited a Chinese um, uh, musician to play this Chinese instrument for the, for, the, for the people. And her name was Lisa. And uh, abruptly... <laughs> She kind of finished and she packed her stuff and she said, I need to go now. I said, huh? I said, yeah, I'm finished. Said, I need to go. I said, what's the rush, right? She said, I'm going to Kenya tomorrow. I just need to pack. I've got my flight to catch. I said, what are you going to Kenya for? This is young Chinese girl, like 17, 18, 19 years old. And then she showed me a picture of her and some kids there. And then I said, I said, why are you going to Kenya? She said, I'm going to help these kids. I was like, she said, what, you want to come? I was like, no. <laughs> I went out, because back then, because I was uh, suffering from this depression, I used to go out drinking every single night, like drink myself to sleep, right? And then that night, I went out drinking. And while I was drinking, I said to my friends, hey, there was this chick today named Lisa, asked me to go to Kenya with her tomorrow. Can you imagine that, right? I was just half drunk saying this. And you know what my friend said? My friend said, don't go. Don't. I said, Why? really dangerous out there. You get killed. Imagine I'm like <laughs> half drunk. I pick up my phone. I message Lisa. I said, Lisa, when's your flight? I said, can I come with you? Imagine I didn't want to do good. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, I get killed? I said, maybe that's the thing. I can't do it myself. Maybe that's the thing. Wow. So I said, let me go. I went out there for and imagine, I remember getting out the airport in Nairobi. I don't know if you've been before. Mm -hmm. and, I, and then going out on the streets, and I thought, oh, they're going to stab me, they're going to stab me, they're going to shoot me, they're going to shoot me, they're going to steal all my stuff, they're going to kidnap me. Every, like, that was going on in my head. I was preparing myself for it, you know? And we got onto this coach, eight-hour coach, out to this uh, western Kenya in Bungoma. We were up in the mountains, and then to the first orphanage. I arrived at the orphanage. I looked at the kids. They were kicking this can around, like like playing football, but with a can. N no clothes, skin and bones, no food. And they were having the time of that. They were like laughing and cheering. And there was this old lady in a far distance next to this mud hut. And she was smiling and cheering for them and laughing and everything. And I stood there. I burst into tears. I was like, what is this? Why are you happy? what is wrong with me? Why am I not happy? You have nothing and you're happy. So I, so I, I didn't get it. So then imagine the only thing I knew then was I knew I had money and I knew they didn't. And imagine I go very naive. This is a go-getter mindset, a doer mindset, not a thinker. I don't plan things. So I'm just like, okay, they need a home. So I said, they need a home. They need clothes. So why do I buy clothes, buy a home, do what? Imagine that that orphanage was set up like literally on on on, on that one trip. We brought in sixty three uh, kids. That was our, our, our uh, first first week, and then we and then when I built the orphanage, I was like, they, I said, oh no, they need education. We built the school. And I said, oh no, what what are they going to do after education? So all these thoughts, and then I got into this whole charity which we set up, and it's been around. 
uh, 12 years exactly. I just got back from Kenya last week mm -hmm. and the kids are all fully growing, all speaking English and college and everything. And they're very grateful. And it's just, it's just amazing. But it, the last 12 years in our charity, we, we, we would take people out there every single year just to show people, hey, you want to learn about gratitude. You go there, you realize all the things you usually complain about is irrelevant, mm -hmm. you know? And so I love taking people out there and we've been doing it for like 12 years now. And that, that completely changed my life. That so that no, that that was kind of like the catalyst. But now here we're twelve years later. You still remember that you went there not as you know a knight in shining armor to go and solve everyone's problems. You went there because of your own problems, That's and right. and just being with them made you realize that your problems didn't exist. That's right. Even even till today, a lot of a lot of the teachers and kids they say thank you so much. You you, um, you know if if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be alive today. There's this. A girl called Faith, which was dying uh, of some disease, and, and and we saved her, and she's a big, big, big lady now. And um, and I said to her, I said, actually, a lot of you don't know, you guys saved me. You know, it was it was it was them who saved me. It's so funny you say that. It uh, my my story is very similar in the way that people think you do such good. And they think you give so much, you do such wonderful things. And I'm like, trust me, I get so much more back. Mm. There's just so much more that comes my way than you imagine. It's lovely that you've got that story to share. Tell me, tell me how you, how you use that now to help people understand, because that's your story and your, and your journey that you've been on. Do you take people out there so that they can feel what you felt? Or do you take people out there because it's a, a you know, a worthy cause for them to learn about what is the priority there it's both of the things i mean our charity is um pretty much 99 percent privately funded by ourselves so we don't really we haven't done many fundraisers and things i just i um set up the organization we say however much money we make we take a proportion we you know work on the project you know now we're working on social entrepreneurship and things i think it's more more so for people to experience it I think that the, again, but the message doesn't change because when, I, when I'm taking, let's say I take some bling bling Dubai people there, it'll be to experience, hey, do you know how grateful you should be about everything in your life? It doesn't matter what level you're at. And that will be awakening in itself. But when I take the people on this side, the spiritual people over, they will say, I want to do, they will say, I want to do this too. I want to set up my charity. I'm saying, so why don't you? Oh, when I said, when you make the money, then you'll do it. Yeah. So why don't you focus on that then? Why don't you make yourself, you know, physically capable? Why don't you, why don't you dedicate? Why don't you work hard? Why don't you go through the hustle and grind because of that mission and vision you say that's deep inside your heart that you want to make a difference? Why, why, don't, why don't you put in the hard work? And then you can go and change the world. Why don't you do that? Why don't you do that now? You know, so I feel like it's it's the same message. When I take people out there, it's the same message I'm giving people. Do you think you sell training courses or do you think you sell, sell or market a way of living and thinking? It's a way of living and thinking for sure. I think on, on, the, on the surface level, people see it as training courses. But um, you see, I, I think it's like, I, I, I'm actually the only person I know that will teach um, business, leadership, sales, 
marketing, yoga, meditation, third eye activation, NFT trading, speaker training, communication training, mindset. I would do all I would train I would teach all of that in one week. Every single week I have all of those trainings. I think I'm the only person I know that 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 does that. But it's because I feel that those are all the skills that make me up to who I am. You and it's a lifestyle. You see them deeply connected to each other. It's connected. Yeah. And because they're deeply connected, you're not actually in you're not actually teaching lots of different things. You're teaching away. Selling, marketing, you know, you're teaching business. Uh-huh. And you're teaching a way of thinking positively, and so it's it's a way. It's just like it's like an all encompassing thing. Uh-huh. I love that. Okay, I think that's really great because there's a lot of people out there that will teach somebody, I don't know, to be a public speaker, but where's the why? Uh-huh. You know, and what do you do with it once you learn how to do that? They need all this. The, the, the business is, is about one thing. Yeah, you're teaching them business, how to create a business, and how to make money out of it, so that they can then use that money for you know their own benefit and others. That's right. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, I've got some questions the team have asked me to ask with you. Okay, so I always ask I always ask my team to give me questions they want me to ask you. Hence the reason why they're always here. And so the first question is: Is the law of attraction real? And what's the difference between that? and manifestation law of attraction is saying that you attract what you are mm-hmm. so try one day go out there smile at everybody that you see and see if you attract any smiles back count it and record it the next day go out there frown at everybody you see and see if you get how many smiles you get back that day mm-hmm. and see if it made a difference then you'll see if law of attraction works right whether you attract what you are mm-hmm. manifestation i like teaching manifestation i don't like teaching law of attraction because i think law of attraction is flawed i feel that law of attraction it may you can say the movie the secret helped a lot of people awaken to law of attraction but you it also disabled a lot of people i believe because i have so many people who follow my channels who say I, I've been I've been visualizing this thing. Why is it not happening yet? I'm just like, but have you done anything about it? No. <laughs> what, 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 what are you going to do? Just visualize for 17 seconds and they're supposed to arrive. What, what, what do you mean? You know. So, I think I think manifestation is different. I think manifestation is saying, how do you manifest something into your reality? Mm-hmm. It's the full picture. So I teach manifestation. Okay. Next question. Okay. Is there a difference between being religious and being spiritual? It depends on the individual. If they think there's a difference, there's a difference. Yeah. In my opinion, I think spirituality is just all-encompassing. I think it's everything. That's a great answer, actually. Do you believe success and spirituality coexist? Well, obviously you do. Typically, society tells us we can only develop one or the other. And uh, I think that's a lot of what the, I've talked about earlier, but the team think about as well. So I think you've already answered that one. This is an important one. Where does happiness come from? Happiness comes from within it comes from self-love it comes from appreciation it comes from gratitude when you have that attitude of gratitude you're naturally just happy so just be grateful for everything you have and some people say i don't have anything you have breath your hands are moving your body is moving some people they don't have hands to move some people are not breathing well Mm -hmm. some people are dying right now in this moment 
You don't have anything to be grateful for, you know. The happiest I ever am is when I'm doing something for somebody else less fortunate than me. That makes me really, really happy. Mm. So like when I'm with the girls from Bangladesh. But that's but that's because but that's because your cup is filled. Uh, so that will not apply for everybody. If if somebody is suffering themselves and they try to help other people, but they've got a lot of concerns and problems and how am I gonna pay for my kids to eat today and all the rest of so how I'm gonna pay for the rent, I'm gonna get booted out. Actually, they if they focus on that, they've got too many troubles here. So that's why we always say self-love starts from self-love. Uh, love starts from self-love, right? Mm -hmm. You have that capacity. That's why it's for you. For me, it's the same. My happiness comes from contribution, right? But you have to have some the capacity to contribute first. Yeah, very valid. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is your greatest fear? I, I, I don't think I do have it because um, when, when you no longer fear death, I think there's no, um, there's, there's no fear then. When you, it's almost like when you tell me the story and you, it's almost like you, you, you looked for death, you looked for a solution to, to, to end your life. And by looking for that solution, it created a better life. It's, it's almost like the cartoon and we kids is like, darn it, you know, it, it didn't happen. But, but, but I, but I think it's, it's, it, it's, it's more to do with knowing that not, let's not say spirituality, let's say science, as science has it, everything is energy and energy is everything. We are energy. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It can only be transferred. Oh, we're never destroyed. So it moves on. And when you come to a realization that, wait a second, it moves on, where? Actually, that's irrelevant right now. Just to know that it cannot die because we are energy is saying that, oh, when you get that understanding, what's the fear? There's no fear. Fifth. Um, you told me about Kenya. How would you describe your mission? Raise the level of human consciousness, love consciousness, and wealth consciousness, and allow love and wealth to coincide and work together to make this world a better place. Tell me about communities that you've worked with or parts of the nationalities of different parts of the world where you've seen people embrace this more than others. Have you noticed that? You know, have you noticed more in, I don't know, Sri Lanka, people are more open to this kind of stuff than they are in Poland or wherever it may be. I'm just picking crazy countries out of the air there. But on your journey, have you found that? I think so. I think uh, if we talk about more consciousness and spirituality, I think like California, LA and places like that is uh, very, there's a lot of them, very strong. Uh, India is very open for it because it's all a very spiritual place. Um, I think the places where there is any form of resistance let's say um it is probably the more stronger uh, religious places which cannot quite understand what religion are you speaking about right now until they realize that you're not speaking about religion then they say oh, okay okay then i'm then i'm open you know interesting so like a strict islamic environment that's right would be more of a challenge that's right. It's really interesting to know that. You know, if you, you, the fact that you just, just said LA and California, I wouldn't have thought that. I thought you were going to say India for sure. I thought you were going to say, but yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of, it's like India's conditioned to be spiritual, isn't it? It's kind of like, it, it's, it's a spiritual place. The people are conditioned to be like that. So how would they not, not embrace, you know? It's like, it's almost like in business, in, in England, in business, if you're in sales, the, the first answer you get is no. 
okay? And then the 99th answer you get is no when you're new in sales. It's like people don't want to give you a chance at first. You have to really battle to get a chance. But in America, people will always give you a chance. They might not say yes, but they'll give you at least give you a chance. Yeah. The vibe is like, completely different. Yeah. They, uh, Americans are more open anyway. Even with the answers is more open. You ask a you ask a Brit, you say, "How's it going?" Not bad, you know. <laughs> you know, you ask American, even if it's not so good, they say, "Awesome," <laughs> you know. So completely different. Uh, they have a completely yeah. different vibe. You open an envelope, it's high five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so Sabine wanted to know this, actually. She wants to know for herself how manifestation works practically for her. So she wants some steps to follow, like the, the, the three basic steps that she can follow to manifest every day or every week, whatever she wants to try and manifest. And so if... If I'm Sabine, let's just say, okay, you're coaching me and I'm, I'm, I'm one of your students. I want to get into this manifestation thing, man. You know, just just help me on my way. Give me give me some steps to follow. What am, what am I going to do first? Um, the first thing has everything to do with mind is your conscious and your subconscious mind, meaning that your belief system and everything is geared for actually believing that you will actually achieve it. Mm -hmm. So that's mind. We have to keep reprogramming the mind, whether that be through affirmations, whether that be through uh, having an environment where there's a lot of people who have achieved what you've achieved, uh, what you want to achieve, then that builds that belief, you know. So I think the first thing is all to do with mindset. Reprogram that mind so that it's geared for the result that you want. And how? How? Sorry to interrupt you. How critical are affirmations? Um, it helps. It helps for everybody. It will be different because. Um, it depends how vigorously you do it. It depends when you do it, are you feeling it? Some person can say, I am confident. I am great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or some people can really feel it. And when you really feel it, it drills into every cell of your body and you feel it, you become it, you know? So I think that it depends how you how you use it. So so I, I, I do this in the mirror every morning. So I look deep into my pupils and I have a conversation with myself mm -hmm. in the morning. It takes about, I don't know, maybe, maybe it feels like five minutes, maybe it's two minutes. Mm -hmm. But I have a conversation. We talk about how my day's going to be, mm -hmm. and and I do it with an, an enormous amount of intent. Mm -hmm. And Tony Robbins, well, you know, he was he was on the show and he was teaching me about you know how you use you know, that 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 self talk mm. and and you know to fire yourself up. But when I have that conversation with myself, I become almost indestructible. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the, everything negative or everything that could create some form of problem bounces off me. When they don't have that conversation, it's almost like I absorb the, the 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 negative or misery or whatever it might be issues of the day that come my way. That's amazing. I I think it, it's you do it very intensely. People need to do it very intensely and feel it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I get up at four thirty every day. I go to the gym at five o'clock every day. So I'm, that that's my thing. But once I've come back from the gym and I get back in the shower and I get out, I have a shave and then I just stop. And I literally, <laughs> people might want to know this, but I stand there with a towel around my waist and I look into the mirror and I'm, I literally have, and it's out loud. It's not, it's not, it's not under my breath. Uh. I'm talking to myself. Uh. You know, some people might think that's mad, but I have that conversation. And then the, the day becomes, the day becomes incredibly robust. Yeah, that's right. And obviously you can do use NLP techniques, uh, cognitive reframing and things because everything's an emotional, you know, we've been conditioned through emotions. So we can change all that as well. I think mind is number one. Uh, second thing is action. So it, it's not about just taking action. It's about what action are you taking? 
And I think uh, when you mentioned Tony Robbins, he always says success, success leaves clues. The easiest way, whatever goal you want, find somebody else who has achieved it and just ask them, how did you do it? Whether that be through coaching, mentorship programs, whatever, or YouTube videos, it doesn't matter. Find the steps and just apply it, you know, just apply it. Um, the th so first thing is mind. Second thing is mechanics. Right? And third thing I refer to as mastery, which is referring to energetic, con conscious about your energy. So... Every single day, are you worrying? Every single day, are you feeling worthy? How are you energetically, right? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling low, right? Be completely conscious in every moment, live in the present moment through breath, through breath work, so that you're very present. What am I feeling right now? Wait there a second, why am I feeling off, right? Because if energetically we are off, then we cannot attract. Right, things come together when they're of the similar frequency, yeah. and so I think the 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 third thing to master and and practice and become very aware of is how we're we feeling energetically, and when we're feeling off, then how can we reframe that? Okay, last question: What's one exercise or activity that you would recommend somebody can start today to lead a more positive, happy, and fulfilled life? Easy, just breath work. And when I'm talking about breath work, don't need to think of any complex 444 square box, whatever, anything. It doesn't matter. Actually, just slow, deep inhale. Slow, gentle exhale. If you can just do three breaths, don't even talk about five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, one hour practice, right? Some people say, I don't have the time for that. If you just do three breaths, if you just do five breaths, if you just do 10 breaths, whenever you can, whenever you can, any given moment, breath is life, is important, let's breathe, right? but breathe consciously. It doesn't matter the stress, the worry, the, the, the sadness, whatever you have that's going on, frustration, you try three breaths, five breaths, 10 breaths, you will not be equally as frustrated. It would have gone. You go into peace. And then from peace, then move into gratitude, then go into focusing on your intentions. What do you want? You've got 1.7 million followers on YouTube, and I'm sure the audience is bigger through your other social media channels. I think your message is really important. I think more people need to hear it because I'm a real practical person and I resonate with it enormously. And so I can only say thank you so much for coming to share your time. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you. Thank you.